0: Hey, welcome to The Heavy with Andrew and Don, where we cover a large range of rock and metal topics for the casual listener. I'm your host, Don Sutherland, and with me, as always, is my brother, Andrew Sutherland.
1: What's up, dirtbags?
0: Don't forget, you can email us at theheavypod at gmail.com or DM us on Facebook if you have uh, anything to say, any comments, want to talk about something we posted. Although Facebook might be an issue because our last episode that got posted, it got flagged for... I think it was violence or something. I don't know. Do you remember what it was,
1: Andrew? (laughs) It was just the teaser that got flagged. Very,
0: very innocuous video. Uh,
1: They're really vague about exactly what what (laughs) they got flagged for. Yeah, yeah. There really wasn't much going on in that teaser, so it was uh, kind of a mystery to
0: us. (laughs) And I saw myself. It's like the review board handles like a million requests a year and verifies 17 of them. So we're just going to wait out the 30 days and be back. (laughs) That's... What's yeah, going no on play. on Facebook, and we have no idea what was wrong. But uh, Andrew,
1: what are we what are we talking about today? Uh, today we're going to be talking about the misfits.
0: Oh, sweet. The ones you're about to see. Let's get into it.
1: Don, I did not hear your beer can cracking. I opened my water
0: bottle. Oh, don't that one. My... my uh, <laughs> I mean, also, my cat, I think, just ran headfirst into the outside of the door, so... Oh, my God.
1: (laughs) All right, well, uh, as you said, I will be going to see The Misfits later this year, actually on New Year's Eve, so because I'm going to see them, and, I mean, I love The Misfits for decades, I figured it would be a good time to to do an episode on them. Yeah, we talked about them a bit before, too, I think. Yeah, we've touched on them here and there, and, I mean, we've we've talked about uh, Danzig as well in his, his band after The Misfits. Yeah, um, but they're they actually they're going to be billed as the original Misfits with uh, with Danzig back, right? So it's uh, Jerry only Doyle and Danzig who uh, Doyle wasn't their original guitarist but uh, he was still their last guitarist I guess before they broke up originally. Okay, so the Misfits would be for people who don't know who they are. They originated a genre called horror punk, so it's punk music but the themes are more related to. Horror movies and whatnot, like uh, horror themes, as opposed to say like politics and social stuff that a lot of punk music was touching on back then. Right. uh, Yeah. And and musically, like I said, they the typical fast-paced, stripped-down punk style. But uh, Danzig's vocal style was quite a bit different than other punk singers at the time, uh, where his his style was maybe more relatable to like say Elvis or Roy Orbison or Jim Morrison, guys like that, as opposed to the much like. Rougher, angrier style of punk singing, in like the like late seventies, early eighties.
0: Yeah, as we kind of went over in the he, e, e, e B G B, was that it? It was something. EBGBs. Like okay, okay, yeah, that yeah. one. <laughs> where they where they all just yeah, kind of as loud and angry as they could be.
1: Yeah, and I mean, and and uh, you know, comparing them to say our, our last week's topic, we were talking about Norwegian black metal, the horror themes that they would use were, were almost cartoonishly graphic. Yeah, like not taken as seriously as some of those black metal bands it's a bit of a different take on it i guess maybe
0: more like uh Ozzy osborne style where it's very grandiose i'm just thinking specifically like bark at the moon and stuff like that
1: yeah I, i'm sure they i think they take it a little bit further than Ozzy would but uh but yeah i guess i, I see what you're talking about I'm just, I'm just talking about like satanists and oh yeah you know, that kind like of the stuff. ones
0: that were trying to be dead serious about this sort of thing
1: yeah, I mean, a lot of the lyrics were really graphic and morbid and stuff, but but not in the same fashion, I guess. Right, right. I got So uh, my first real exposure to The Misfits was, uh, I saw the video for Dig Up Her Bones on Much right. Music Loud when I was 15. This is way after Danzig was their singer. So The Misfits came back in the uh, mid-90s uh, with a guy named Michael Graves as a singer. Mm-hmm. And this was actually my first exposure to The Misfits. I've, I mean, I've heard of them before that, but I didn't really know too much about them, I guess. Right. So, um, yeah, as far as I was aware, like this was The Misfits, and I would find out later on that Glenn Danzig was the original singer, and for me, that's really profound, because I'd already been listening to Danzig, the band, uh, the band that he formed after The Misfits for quite a while, and uh, yeah, I had like no idea he was a punk singer at one point, right?
0: So I guess, because <laughs> it's pre-internet, you can't just like look them up and be like, oh, this is their entire story.
1: Yeah, information wasn't quite as like at our fingertips as it is now. I mean, you could right, uh, yeah. if you had old magazines or whatever, you could just pull out your phone and Google it, you know? So. Mm-hmm. And uh, to be honest, when I'm talking about the band Danzig, uh, I actually bought Danzig's first album because it had a pretty badass cover. It's got this cool horn skull on it. Oh, let's And see. Uh, I was actually at the time also kind of disappointed that it wasn't heavier musically. But okay. it did end up growing on me, especially the song Mother. We talked about it Oh yeah, uh, quite a while ago in that yeah. uh, MTV episode we did. It's a great song. Yeah, um, so that uh, song was originally on his first Danzig album. Oh.
0: Yeah, I see what you mean though, because I looked up the album cover. Like it looks, it looks almost like a black metal album, <laughs> that that kind of style.
1: Yeah. So I, I mean, I'll get back to the Misfits here. I just wanted to kind of uh, touch on my early exposure to the band. Yeah, totally. And uh, actually, my other. I guess my only exposure to the actual music of the early Misfits was Metallica's cover of Green Hell, Last Caress, because I had uh, I had a copy of Garage Days re-revisited on cassette. Right. It was that Metallica EP they did with a bunch of cover songs, and I was just somewhat aware of the band that originally wrote the song, I guess. hmm So, uh, yeah, I was going to go back to the early history of the Misfits and kind of how they came about. Sure. So... I found a book called This Music Leaves Stains, The Complete Story of the Misfits by a guy named James Green Jr. And there's not too many books on the Misfits. There's this one, and I think there was one other one that I didn't get, but uh, it's pretty limited to sources, I guess. So this was my main source of information besides the internet. Right. But uh, Green actually had a similar epiphany, finding out the connection between Danzig and Misfits that I did. There's a great quote from the preface of his book, and it's, uh, it's oh my God, the guy who sang Mother was in a punk band like a really good punk band. This sounds like Elvis and the Ramones and there are goddamn skulls and murder all over this thing. <laughs> I, just, I love that quote. It's like the guy read my mind. He just was able to put it into way <laughs> better words than I would have been able to. It's a pretty good review too. And actually it
0: makes sense because when I was looking up that album cover, uh, I found that Danzig released an Elvis
1: Presley cover album. Yeah, that was pretty recently. That was like two years ago. Yeah, yeah it was
0: exactly two years ago.
1: So I'll, I'll be honest, I haven't listened to it because I've talked to friends that are also Misfits slash Danzig fans, and they weren't <laughs> super enthralled with it, so I'm just, uh, I will listen to it eventually, but I, I just don't want to, I have a lot of respect for Danzig, and I just try to refrain from listening to things that might lower that respect.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. The uh, Even the yeah. album cover just looks like cheap. <laughs> <laughs> gotta be honest. Looks like someone did it in a like a free graphics program
1: yeah i mean we'll talk about Danzig as a solo artist or with his band in another episode because he's got yeah yeah <laughs> a, bunch <laughs> okay. of, a bunch of you know great material from that period which mm-hmm. is still going i guess and then there's a lot of stuff that's not that great so uh for me it's kind of half and half but we'll uh we'll touch on that in another uh, another episode
0: yeah <laughs> i'll i'll uh veer away from the elvis stuff
1: <laughs> so the Close uh the yeah, I mean, as far as Elvis goes, though, even with the Misfits, his vocal style was uh, influenced by Elvis yeah. to an extent, right? So Sim- similar there. Yeah. So the the uh, the Misfits came out of a place called Lodi, New Jersey. Hmm. There's a bunch of locations in Lodi that were used in filming the show The Sopranos.
0: So oh, including, sweet!
1: Including a go-go bar called Satin Dolls, which was used as a location for Bada Bing. Sweet. You can go visit Lodi now. Yeah. Uh, that might be like its only claim to fame, the Misfits and <laughs> a <lot> of Bing. <laughs> yeah, I assume.
0: Well, like when I hear when you hear the name Lodi, New Jersey, it just kind of. Sorry, no offense if you're
1: from Lodi, New Jersey. It just kind of sounds like the place that people don't want to be. <laughs> and I remember there being anyone. a place called. There was a place called Lodi and uh, um Sons of Anarchy. I think it might have been, like, what, yeah. Because remember that other biker group that they were affiliated oh, with? Oh, yeah, yeah, like the Orange ones. Yeah, I think. you're Yeah, right. yeah, they were from Lodi, California, I guess. Whatever it was. Was it California? Popular,
0: popular American name. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So uh, Glenn Danzig was actually born Glenn Allen Anzalone in uh, 1955
0: mm-hmm. in Lodi. Dan Danzig hits harder. It's got more consonants.
1: Well, actually, I was gonna say, if we were playing Scrabble, they'd probably both be worth quite a bit because they both got a Z in them. But it's true.
0: <laughs> harder, harder to make Anzalone though. It's got more letters. Yeah, definitely.
1: Uh, he he took piano and clarinet lessons in his younger years, but he was heavily interested in comic books. He started off being into the standard stuff like Batman, Spider-Man, things like that, and he moved on to right. darker themed ones like Tales from the mm-hmm. Crypt and uh, Night of the Living Dead.
0: Oh, sweet. Love Tales from the Crypt.
1: But his, uh, his favorite heroes, I guess, were more, in the book, they referred to them as anti-heroes, uh, Magneto and uh, Namor, the Sub-Mariner. Okay. Uh, so, so Danzig actually tried to make it as a comic book artist when he was younger, and he even attended art school. And he was sending in samples to Marvel Comics, but he just wasn't able to make it work at the time. Ah, uh, okay. So he started playing. He started playing cover bands first with a band called Talus, and uh, after that band, he would join another band. Which he this band's got the stupidest name I've ever seen in my life. But uh, <laughs> he named, he he named the band Koo Dot N Boo It's like a bunch of nonsense, non-words like. Who Dot, uh, what was it? U Dot and Boo And I don't know what hmm. it means, and nobody really could tell what it meant in the in the book I was reading. Or I don't think he really know what explained it. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so they were playing covers by artists like Chuck Berry, Elvis, Free, Led Zeppelin, stuff like that. Okay. And the third and last cover band he was playing was, uh, first they were called Orex, and then they changed their name to Pony, like P-O-N-Y. And then in the end, they were called prostitutes. Just, just mm. prostitutes. Uh, <laughs>
0: they, I, I think I might like Kudot and Mujang more <laughs>
1: than yeah. just they, that. And they had a gimmick where they would perform live in scuba gear or wrapped in cellophane. So interesting mm. uh, origins for Glenn Dancing.
0: Yeah. Quite the character arc here. Wow. Okay. I, I didn't really understand exactly what you're saying when you said the band name, but I looked it up to see, and it's just spelt phonetically. Coup Dot Capital N (laughs) what Yeah with a bunch of dashes in between uh. (laughs) Yeah with a bunch of dashes Like That's why I was so confused I couldn't visualize the
1: words It's a lot easier to read it on paper than to (laughs) hear it It does not make sense verbally So towards the heavier side of rock Danzig would claim Black Sabbath's debut album the self-titled album as one of the most influential and important records he ever purchased Makes sense Sabbath was actually the first concert he had attended as well when he was younger
0: Okay, so big influence.
1: In more of a in more of a punk vein, he was also into the Stooges, so like Iggy Pop. Okay, the uh, the influences are kind of adding up.
0: Yeah, you're kind that, of getting how he old,
1: sounds. a picture of what formed his musical identity, I guess. Yeah. So he would eventually tire of playing cover songs, and influenced by the burgeoning punk scene at the time, with bands like the Ramones, the Sex Pistols, Danzig would set out to start a punk band. So uh-huh. the, the band would be called the Misfits right off the bat. And the name was taken from Marilyn Monroe's final movie called The Misfits. Oh,
0: okay. It is a sweet band name, so I definitely got that one right.
1: The, uh, the second member of The Misfits would be prostitutes drummer Manny Martinez. I guess former prostitutes drummer. So at the time, it was just pretty much Glenn and Manny. I think there were some other guys that were kind of in and out at the time. Maybe nobody of, of note. But the, yeah. uh, they would practice in Martinez's parents' garage where a guy named Gerald, I don't even know how to say his name, Kay- Kayafa, Another Italian name. Who would uh, later, okay. later, he would later be known as Jerry Only, one of the uh, original Misfits. Oh, yeah. Uh, but he would encounter the band after he began dating a girl who lived next door to Martinez. And he, he had actually gotten a bass guitar for Christmas, uh, but he didn't have a use for it until he joined the Misfits and found a reason for, you know, or a use for his bass, I guess. Actually learned how to play it? Uh, I had a reason a... to learn, anyway. Yeah, I guess that's a good way to start. So the uh, the Misfits first gig... Uh, took place at CBGB's, which you just mentioned a few minutes right. back. Then. Yeah, yeah. And we did an episode on it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I, I believe that would be we were talking more probably early to mid seventies. So yeah, we, uh, we were for sure. The Misfits would have played there probably at the tail end of the period we were talking about originally.
0: That's in uh, it was in New York, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, in New York. So uh, that first gig, to Glenn's obvious dismay, <laughs> Jerry would show up for the gig in open-toed platform shoes and tight sequined pants. <laughs> so uh, not quite the look he was going for not but, uh, super punk no but they did the show and then uh, pretty soon after they would transition to a, more of a black leather and chains punk style hmm. I mean notably Jerry because it's a pretty big jump from platform shoes and sequin pants to like a leather jacket and yeah, chain definitely. necklace <laughs> Jerry would actually he'd also be the first one to sport the devil lock Do you ever heard of that hairstyle so it kind of looks like an uh, exaggerated widow's peak but it goes down in front of their face
0: uh that yeah can't say i'm a fan
1: yeah i mean uh whatever your opinion is it was uh (laughs) it was the misfits who started that that trend back in the late 70s early 80s there see if you're like in
0: costume or i guess doing a show it makes more sense i immediately found a bunch of pictures of just people like day-to-day life with one it looks really out of place just like an, an
1: accountant with a double yeah the,
0: literally the first picture is just someone in a yeah.
1: shirt and tie yeah it definitely depends face. on the context of it yeah it's all about uh, context so the uh the misfits first single that they released was a song called cough cool like cough slash cool it almost sounds like a Dora song because at the time glenn was just playing the keyboards i don't even think they had a guitarist yet Oh. So uh, it was Glenn's keyboards and then Martinez's drums and, and then the bass, Jerry's bass. And the uh, the single was released on the band's own label and their label is called Blank Records. Okay. So they did so it uh, was like that, an indie indie start to it. Yeah, I mean punk had a real do it yourself attitude back then, right? That was yeah. there wasn't a lot of big label record deals for a lot of those bands. You know, yeah. they make, make their own shirts, make their own records, whatever. Yeah, makes sense so uh this is about the time when jerry's stage name would emerge so it ended up coming from a spelling error on the back cover of the cough cool single so i think glenn missed a letter in his last name and then after that jerry i don't know if he got like really upset but he, he would request to be billed as jerry only jerry and then i uh, just started <laughs> calling him jerry only That
0: yeah, that's kind of a fun story <laughs> yeah it's,
1: it's kind of kind of interesting it's very
0: innocent is, uh, is all it's like you think it would have a sweet backstory but it's just like ah just call me only Jerry
1: and that's it <laughs> yeah I mean considering the the, the image that the band had and the subject matter that they sing about they really weren't yeah like they were more about the music than anything which is a breath of fresh air <laughs> compared to yeah. you know, some bands that were known more for their uh, their reputation than the actual music they put out yeah totally Not to say these guys didn't have a bit of a reputation for for some stuff, but around this time was when Glenn Anzalone would start being known as Glenn Danzig, and it seems like it's it's pretty vague about how exactly that name came about, but it seems like it has something to do with the Polish port of Danzig, which he was kind of interested in, I guess. Maybe to do with the the architecture or something like that. Or Or just
0: like the word.
1: And they, they wanted to move on from Glenn's keyboards to a heavier punk sound, so they would... Bring in their first guitarist, a guy named Frank Licata, also mm. sounds very Italian. <laughs> Must have been a local boy. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, it was pretty consistent. Glenn would rename him Franche Coma, so he gave him a that's a that's a shift a pseudonym. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and Coma would adopt a kind of a Johnny Ramone guitar style to make the Misfits' music more aggressive sounding.
0: Okay, like a little
1: bit of melody, but pretty uh straightforward, heavy. Yeah, pretty much that, that typical late 70s punk, like, strumming style guitar. Yeah. So, although, although Danzig would normally take credit for the majority of early Misfits songwriting, Jerry only would recall that he and the other band members had a significant hand in it, but they'd allow Glenn to take all the credit because he kind of got off on it. Like, he liked to have his name on stuff. <laughs> but, I mean, Glenn still did. It was, uh, you know, a creative force behind the band for a lot of stuff. He just didn't write every single thing in every song, I guess, is what Yeah. I would gather from that. So, okay. uh, yeah, I got gotcha. you. In late 1977, the Misfits would acquire 30 hours of studio time from Mercury Records. And this would be in exchange for permanent ownership of the blank records name because Mercury wanted to use the blank records as like a, kind of an indie offshoot of their label.
0: Right.
1: So they got that 30 hours of studio time. But uh, Martinez would actually be fired before the recording, and they would bring in a guy named Jim Catania. And his uh, stage name, I guess, would be Mr. Jim. So, <laughs> everybody had a stage name <laughs> That's, yeah. I, that one might be my favorite. That one's just that one's just fun. It's kind of how when we were doing the black metal episode, everybody had a stage name, but the names are so different in this. In this. Season. Yeah. <laughs> so in uh, in 1978, they would record the album Static Age, but it actually wouldn't be picked up by Mercury Records because they were they'd had a bad experience with another artist with low sales, and they were moving on from punk rock at the time. Mm-hmm. And then the band was also rejected by Sire Records and Chrysalis So they actually recorded this full-length album and never ended up actually releasing it at the time. Oh, okay. So the band would rename their record label Plan 9, and this is uh, a tribute to an allegedly terrible Ed Wood movie called Plan 9 from Outer Space. Plan 9, yeah. I've never heard of it. Have you heard of that?
0: Uh, I've heard of it because it was in a bathroom reader. (laughs) It was in an Uncle John's bathroom reader, and I read the whole article on it. Uh, I've never seen it. Sounds bad.
1: Yeah, supposedly it's really bad. Yeah. But these these guys seem to be into kind of B movies and horror movies and sci-fi movies and stuff. So
0: yeah, that's a that's a weird case too because it has such a cult following because it's like the room from from what I've heard that it's yeah. it's so bad you have to see it. It's just you couldn't make something that bad if you tried. And then yeah. also uh Johnny Depp played him in a movie, Ed Wood, and I got at least an Oscar nomination
1: for it. What was it was the movie actually called Ed Wood? Yeah. Okay. So he was like a, mm-hmm. a pretty like well-known director, I guess. Or is that what he was? Yeah,
0: from from what I remember, he was he was famous for his like ridiculous bad movies. But he would just make stuff constantly. He was just churning out films. I don't know how he got them approved, but yeah, he was yeah. kind of a cult figure because he just make things over and over.
1: I'm gonna have to make a point to check out some of his movies, or at least one, I guess. So uh, during a tour, including a disastrous Toronto show where they were supposed to open for Devo, and Devo ended up canceling, but the Misfits still played. Franché Como would quit right after the tour, and then Mr. Jim would respectively leave the band. Ah, uh, oh, no. Yeah, a little bit later, and they'd be replaced by a guy named Bobby Steele on guitar and uh, another guy named Joey Image. And These are all, uh, all stage names.
0: Yeah, it's just not as good as Mr. Jim. Yeah, yeah definitely a step down. It was because it sounds like a cat's name. That I,
1: I got attached, Mr. Jim. Yeah, it totally Mr. does. Mr. Jim just sounds like a cat. Yeah. In June 1979, they would release their third single, and it would be for the song "Horror Business," not, not horror, but horror. <laughs> I these... I was actually going to ask, so thank you. <laughs> yeah. You some never these, know. Yeah, some of these words when I say them, it's just like it's probably going to be taken the wrong way. I better enunciate. In in the way. context of like these bands, it's just it could go either way. That's all. Mm-hmm. The cover of horror horror business featured a picture of the Crimson Ghost, which was uh, originally a character from a 1946 film serial. The Crimson Ghost would become the band's mascot, and uh, very intrinsically tied to the band. Like, whenever you see that Crimson Ghost face now, you think Misfits.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I had no idea that it was even like a reference from something. Yeah, it was originally that a character from that film series. I get it. It's a film sweet serial. logo. Like One of the most recognizable, I'd say, like band logos probably of all time. I there's so many people I see wearing Misfits shirts where I just I know that like you have no idea who they are, which is fine, yeah. It's but uh, the shirt is just cool,
1: they're wearing it ironically,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, or they might even just think it's a brand based on the people I know that have them. Maybe they're just a big fan of the 1946
1: film serial, <laughs> yeah, that, that's cool. the plot twist, everyone knows yeah. what it is except for us. Danzig would also start the Fiend Club, which was uh, Misfits Fan Club. And he'd, oh. he ran that out of his mom's basement. He did everything himself. He'd like, make the t-shirts, assembling records, mailing, uh, merchandise oh. catalogs, booking band shows, and then answering fan mail. So he was very yeah, hands-on. That's just good old-fashioned hard work, doing it all himself. Um, after a 1979 show opening for The Damned in New York City, I guess Jerry Only talked to The Damned singer, a guy named Dave Vanian, the damned are a British punk band. So they talked to him about the misfits going over there and touring the UK with them. So at this point, Jerry only thought, yeah, we're going to go tour with the damned and they, they show up there and apparently Vanyan hadn't taken that conversation seriously. So when the misfits showed up, he's kind of like, Oh, uh, like he didn't expect (laughs) it. (laughs) So, uh, must be a, a decent guy. He tried to fit them in get them on the tour anyway. But, uh, Jerry only had like hadn't signed a contract, so there was a big dispute about the money. I don't know if they were even getting paid at all or not much anyway. So they'd end up only lasting for two shows, and then they'd quit the tour. And so the drummer, whatever his name is, Image, he would quit the band and go back to the States right away. Some of the other guys would stay in Britain for a bit. Uh, Danzig and the guitarist Steele, they would end up spending a couple of nights in a Brixton jail after getting into a fight with some skinheads. And that was that song, London Dungeon. That was what Danzig based that on okay but then uh, in a, in a in another side of the story according to Steele in an interview the the real story of that was that he and Glenn were drinking and started Glen just started going off about some imaginary skinheads that weren't even there and Steele was kind of getting <laughs> fed up and he, he went to he went to go grab some fish and chips and he came out and Danzig was uh, sharpening a piece of glass on the sidewalk <laughs> and then all of a sudden these uh, bouncers <laughs> these bouncers from this place called the rainbow theater across the street they ran out and grabbed them and dragged him inside and he ended up going to jail <laughs> So it's a drastically different version of the story.
0: Yeah. It, well, like you hear it the other way and it's like, Oh, he fought some skinheads. Like they, he was probably kind of being a
1: good guy. They're not great people. Like, no, he imagined it. Yeah. From, from what Steele said, I mean, who knows? Cause he was drinking too, but who knows what the, the whole truth is. But yeah, he said, Glenn totally fabricated. It he was totally imagining these skinheads that didn't exist. And he's like, what are you that's, talking about? Like, there's no one there. That's really funny. So the, uh, the band would release the uh, the Beware EP after returning from England, which can would contain the first recording of the classic song Last Caress, which oh, I'm sure you've heard.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. So they uh, they went through quite a few musicians in a pretty short period of time, but uh, their next drummer was a guy named Arthur McGuckin, but his stage name was Arthur Googie, like G O O G Y. Some of these are the worst stage names you could ever imagine.
0: <laughs> yeah, these are not good.
1: Yeah. No. And uh, Jerry Only's brother Paul, who would end up going by the name of Doyle, I mentioned him earlier. At this time, he'd start practicing guitar with the band, and then eventually, after a while, uh, Only convinced Danzig to replace Steele with Doyle. So this uh-huh. is, I suppose, like Jerry Only, Glenn Danzig, and Doyle are pretty much the definitive Misfits lineup. Like that's who the three main guys are now with the new tour of like the original Misfits kind of thing. Okay.
0: So, yeah.
1: They would finally release an actual full-length album in March, 1982, the uh, month I was born, actually, with uh, oh. the album "Walk Among Us." Okay. So soon after this, Arthur Googie would soon get booted, hopefully because of his stupid stage name, <laughs> <laughs> and eventually be replaced by former Black Flag drummer Robo. So there, there's a few stories of the Misfits. Like, ever watch those Wikipedia Truth or Fiction interviews? I have not. No. There's a guy. I think it's a guy from Loudwire, but he he'll get an artist or whatever and he'll go through their Wikipedia page and he'll ask them questions from their Wikipedia page and it will be like is it fact or fiction because there's a lot of misinformation oh, okay. in Wikipedia sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he did one with Doyle the guitarist from The Misfits and uh, there was a story about the band being arrested in New Orleans for grave robbing. Apparently they were trying to find uh, Marie Laveau's grave she was some hmm. famous voodoo lady I guess. Okay. So so apparently this is a true story and Doyle also shared that his other brother I uh, think his brother's name is Kenny. He brought the money to bail them out, but he didn't have enough money for Robo the drummer, so he bailed out like the three of them and just left Robo there. Oh, now. Did yeah. he leave
0: the band after?
1: Well, I I, I heard that story or whatever and then I was reading about, you know, what happened after that, and apparently they ended up skipping their court date after getting bailed out just so they, so they could make their next show. So yeah. Ro- Robo must have gotten out because it sounds like they went and just played the show. So maybe somebody else went to bail them out. I'm not sure, but like pretty funny, okay. you got just enough money for three of them, and then just like kind of sorry, man. <laughs> 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 Left them there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, luckily the bassist was his brother because usually it would just be the bassist probably. Oh, <laughs> yeah. By. yeah,
0: that's why I was like drummer is pretty. Uh, it's a pretty uh, integral position. Yeah, anyone can play bass.
1: They uh, they'd also release a live EP called "Evil Live" from a live show in '81 for members of their Fiend Club. So, like I said, they released quite a few EPs and singles, and not very many full-length albums. Right. So, but they were they were pretty active. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what would end up being the band's last show was fittingly a Halloween show on October 29th, 1983. So, at this point, they had to replace Robo. So the mm-hmm. the drummer that had replaced him was too drunk to finish the show. So the uh, the drummer from the band that was playing with them called the Necros, or neck the Necros, I guess. Necros, um, yeah, they were the other band on the ticket, and so their drummer took over the show after the other guy was kind of dragged off. Interesting, I wonder how that went. Like,
0: I guess if you're a good enough musician, there's a certain point where you can just sort of jump in on things uh, that that just kind of baffles me. Well, you and gotta I remember, this is uh, if it worked
1: out, this is like early 80s punk music, so it wasn't super technical, yeah, that yeah, that makes sense too. So, uh, the last album that the this old lineup would release was called Earth AD. Although they would actually break up a couple months before it even got released. Oh, okay. earth D had a very obvious hardcore punk influence compared to their earlier material. Right. So it's like quite a bit heavier, and the uh, the singing is a lot less melodic. So after many years on hiatus, the band would reform in the mid '90s without Danzig. Like that's what I remember them from with uh, Michael Graves. Yeah. And then uh, after that, the Graves did a couple albums with them, and at, at some point they reformed again, and or they. Could, carried on and Jerry only was on vocals and I haven't listened to any of that stuff and I can't comment on it. Cause I don't, I don't know if he was any good or not, but okay. I mean, uh, not Danzig, so Danzig and Graves were both pretty accomplished singers. Like they had pretty good voices and decent ranges, I guess. So I yeah. would imagine that only is probably not as good on vocals as those two. <laughs> yeah. But that's just my guess. I'll have to, I'll have to listen to it. I'm, Definitely more of a... Fa- I mean, I, I like the two albums they did with Michael Graves, I'll have to say. Uh, they did American Psycho and Famous Monsters, and they're both pretty solid. But like, a different yeah. style, though, definitely. Yeah, like, maybe
0: you maybe you're watching it when I was an infant, and that's why it's so ingrained in my mind, but I love Dig Up Bones. That's uh one of my favorite songs.
1: Yeah, it's a great, great tune. And I think they went a little more with that stuff with Michael Graves. They went a little more theatrical, a little more over the top with the horror theme stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I guess, like I was mentioning... At the start of the episode in two thousand sixteen, Danzig would return to the band and they'd play under the original Misfits. And I'm not sure exactly how many shows they were supposed to play, but it seems like they're gonna kinda keep going with it. It looks like they're getting along well enough again to to keep going. So Oh, sweet. Uh, you know, they, they're, they're gonna to come to Canada. Well, they're going from playing these little tiny clubs back in the, you know, late seventies, early eighties, now they're playing stadiums, selling out like yeah, fifty thousand person stadiums. So they'd be foolish to not keep that going. I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean, if they're enjoying it, it's. So, I'm pretty. A idea.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty excited to see it. I mean, those guys aren't getting any younger. Danzig's like sixty-seven. So yeah, he's
0: getting getting up there.
1: I mean, he, he seems like he keeps himself in pretty good shape for his age, but you know, there's only so many years you can keep. <laughs> that. Yeah. Unless you're Not the Rolling fight. Stones and you're like ninety-five or whatever the hell. Yeah,
0: you have a doctor for each different part of your body and that kind of
1: thing. Yeah, or those full body, full body blood transfusions that Keith Richards gets every year. Yeah seriously. Or
0: well, even uh, Mick Jagger, I think it was. He had like heart surgery. Yeah. And then it seemed like a unreasonably short amount of time
1: he was back like
0: playing shows. It just didn't make any sense.
1: Yeah, so Sorry. I mean as far as the band's reputation, so Misfits shows back in the day would get pretty violent. I've seen a lot of videos with I don't know think back then I don't think they called it a mosh pit. I think it was called what like a circle pit or something like that or like slam dancing. There's, okay. a, there's there's a different name for things from the punk scene, whereas right? in the metal scene it'd yeah. be a, like a mosh pit, right? But uh, they, mm-hmm. you could see the the crowd getting pretty pretty violent and pretty physical at their shows, and this is, you know way back in the early '80s. Mm-hmm. And there's actually a video of Danzig fighting a fan at one show. I don't know what happened, but you can see the fan get onto the stage and Danzig starts throwing punches at him, and like they have to be separated.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: So a couple other little side notes before we get to the workout playlist. Right. Uh, Jerry Only was actually with Sid Vicious the day he died. Oh, wow! And uh, there was a show at the Elite Club. It was, pl- it was a place called the Elite Club in San Francisco. I think they changed the name to something else after something more uh, familiar. But it ended, yep. It turned into a riot after Danzig allegedly shouted a homophobic slur at the audience, and then it led to a confrontation uh, and escalated into a, like a full-scale riot. <laughs> wow. So, okay. Yeah. And then after the Misfits broke up. Jerry only and Doyle formed a Christian metal band called Chris I don't know if you pronounce it Christ or Chris, but it was like K R Y S T, The Conqueror.
0: <laughs> uh oh, okay. Oh,
1: right. A far cry from the Misfits. But I mean obviously it didn't work out for them because they went back to being the Misfits a few years later. So
0: Yeah, jeez, I wonder why.
1: <laughs> so yeah, anyway, I mean the Misfits don't have the necessarily the, the longest or craziest history. Yeah. But they're pretty pioneering when it comes to a very specific genre. So. Right they were really the first horror punk band. It's not a not mm-hmm. a huge scene, but pretty iconic. One of the other uh things I may not have mentioned, I did mention Metallica, how they did that cover. Yeah. Or a cover of like two songs, I guess, because the Misfits songs were really short. Mm-hmm. But uh Cliff Burton, the original bassist for Metallica, or not original, their yeah. their most well known, you know, bass from the early days. He actually wore a Misfit shirt quite a bit and the, the band actually promoted the misfits material quite a bit back then they ended up being kind of a catalyst for a lot of popularity that the misfits would get after they broken up and uh, i think burton even had a misfits tattoo like the crimson ghost oh wow so huge influence but yeah i mean for me it's not without merit though i mean they put out some some great stuff in a short period yeah. of time so all right let's get to the workout playlist yeah let's do it i ain't got time to bleed the job let's put a smile on that face. All right, the uh, first song we're gonna do is a song called She. Okay. Uh, this is the original version, so make sure you get the original version from the, the 1977
0: 7 inch. There's, oh, a- yeah, I see it pop up. Yep.
1: There's no guitar, it's just keyboards, bass, drums, and Danzig's uh, crooning, I guess we call it. <laughs> so like I was saying before, it kind of sounds like The Doors, but like on speed. Okay. <laughs> and it, it, uh, it really sets the stage for the the tone and thematically for what The Misfits would become, even though it's not necessarily heavy because there's no guitar really. Uh, right. it, 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 was, uh, it was an ode to a, a lady named Patricia Hurst, who's uh, some rich chick who got kidnapped and then committed armed robbery while in captivity. It so was wow. okay. something that was in the media at the time.
0: Yeah, uh, sounds like it should be.
1: There is there is another version of She, which is also very good with guitars later on, but I just mm-hmm. wanted to put the original version in just to, as a starting point.
0: Yeah, yeah. Sweet. Uh, she, the original 7-inch version, that's what it says. Is that yeah. the right one? Yeah, that's the one. Okay. She
1: woke up with empty on the-
0: Would you say Doors on Meth
1: or something like that? uh... Doors on Speed, but Meth also. Doors on Speed. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bang On and also Awesome Song. That's amazing. It's a great song. Just the way it kicks in when he starts singing the chorus, I guess. Yeah, because
0: he has a great voice. It's like a sweet melody and everything to it too. Like the
1: beat is awesome. It's really good. So that's the thing about even regardless of the the themes of their music or like the the subject matter, just the dynamic of – his voice, the style of his singing with the punk music and the punk yeah. kind of ethic, I guess. Mm-hmm. It was just so unique at the time.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'd say it's even unique now, too. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. That's like nothing.
1: Really, they're just very, very distinctive, but in a good way, you know? Absolutely. Not like in an Ed Wood movie type way. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> uh, song number two, we're going to do Last Caress. It's from the album *Static right. Age*, originally recorded in 1978, but not actually released till like 1997. Should I be listening to the 1978 recording? Uh, yeah, it, it doesn't matter. You can listen to whichever version of it you want. Okay,
0: uh, that's not that's not gonna make a big difference. Uh, like as long ones. as
1: as long as it's by the the Misfits. <laughs> okay. All not right. the not the Metallica version. Yeah, yeah. All right. So it's this is when they start bringing in the Johnny Ramone style guitar that Franche Coma's dealing out. Uh, Danzig's got some soulful wailing, as he tends to do, <laughs> but uh, this is all coupled with horrifying lyrics. <laughs> if you, uh, oh. yeah, pay attention to the lyrics because it's like he's got this really, you know, soulful melodic singing, and then he's singing this about horrible, horrible stuff.
0: Huh. All right, last cress. Oh yeah, that song—that song's a classic. But also, before I'd even heard it, there was—it uh, was like a picture of Danzig shopping. This is like the mid two thousands, and it's just him carrying a giant thing of kitty litter. And, <laughs> and before I would heard the song, the meme was like, "I've got something to say. I fed my kitty today. Oh, it must have been cat food." <laughs> but <laughs> I was like, "Oh, interesting. I wonder who this guy is." And then I heard the song, and it's, that's a, it's different.
1: You know? That's a far cry from his. Uh... He's got a reputation of raising wolves. I don't know if that was ever true or not, but back in the day, there was like this legend that he, had, you know, raised wolves. I guess. Oh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm gonna have to find find this one.
1: All right. Okay. Uh, we're gonna go song number three. Yeah. Let's do it. The song is "We Are 138" from the also from Static Age. Although lyrically, very simple. The first half of the song is just Danzig repeating "We Are 138" over and over. <laughs> But uh, okay. musically, the song speeds up and the sound gets somewhat denser towards the end. But there's just something eerie or sinister about the tone of the song. So even though it's just repeating over and over again, it's just, just something about the way he's singing it. it. It's just really good. Right. Awesome. We are 138.
0: sweet i like it nice and simple driving he says we are 138 a lot certainly does (laughs) yeah i i looked it up because i was like 138 has to mean something and no one really knows and he said uh
1: the only thing he said about it is it's about violence (laughs) he's like he's pretty cryptic when people ask him questions like that um but there is some theories i guess about what it's about and i think one of them might have been sci-fi related i'll have to look it up again later yeah
0: I, actually, I have it here because it's uh, George Lucas's first movie, THX one 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 three eight. Yeah, yeah. About yeah, like androids up. or something like that. I haven't actually seen the movie.
1: Yeah, that's what some people think it might have been. Yeah, uh, might have been influenced by, but yeah. yeah. Danzig, oh,
0: uh, actually, Danzig has disputed this by saying they didn't write it. They don't know what the fuck it's
1: about. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> it it seems like he just doesn't want to be agreeable ever about anything so (laughs) I kind of love it it's hilarious yeah definitely Uh, All right, uh, song number four we're gonna do the song Attitude also from Static Age it's got a really like good simple punk riff with a a biting but a catchy chorus and uh, there's a line in the song that goes inside your beat up brain there's probably a whore. if you don't shut your mouth you're gonna feel the floor which is like just the way he sings it it's like one of my favorite lines from the song ever
0: so that time it was, it's not horror.
1: Uh, it's actually horror. Like, yeah, W. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
0: Just, just, just checking. See, cool. it's
1: interchangeable a
0: little bit. So I. Got so when it you listen,
1: when you listen to it, so when I looked up the lyrics, like, I always thought, it was feeble brain. So it's like inside your feeble brain, there's probably a horror. And some of the lyrics I looked up, they they, write it down as feeble, but then some of them, they say beat up. And when I listen to it again, it's like it sounds more like beat up. And the other word that it also could sound like to me is fetal, inside your fetal hmm. brain. I don't know which one it is. Beat up might be the most, like the biggest possibility or best. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. You listen to it. Tell me what you think. So it's like either feeble or beat up or fetal. Okay. See,
0: see what it sounds like. Attitude. See the lyrics I found say feeble, but I heard
1: fetal. That's what that's what I thought. For me, it sounds like when I listen to it closely, to me it sounds like fetal. Like F-E-T-A-L, right?
0: Yeah, like, that's that's exactly what I heard. <laughs> so although, I don't
1: I don't I don't know. But it just like it, it's just the way that the, the the way their music sounds, like it almost sounds like kind of wistful or happy, but then the lyrics are just so dark and like yeah. And bites It's all just know, like, it's like major like, yeah. major key and upbeat, but he's like, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. It's just, I just love that. It's like a almost like a punk rockabilly sound with these like really graphic, like very, very horror, dark lyrics, horror based lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Song number five. Yep. We're going to do a song called Skulls. It's from the album Walk Among Us from 1982. Uh, Walk Among Us is not. I think I like Static Age better, so it's not my favorite uh, Misfits album, I'd say. But I'd say Skulls is my favorite song from that album. I really like the song. So, yeah, okay. uh, like we were just talking about, the tone of the song is actually pretty upbeat, but the lyrics are extremely horrifying, gory, and like murderous. <laughs> right. <laughs> so the, the contrast between how the song sounds and what he's singing about is just awesome. Okay. <laughs>
0: yeah. All right. Skulls. almost just makes me confused like hearing the what sounds like it should be a really innocent love song or something like something really basic and then he's saying I want your skull <laughs> the whole time did you did you actually read the the lyrics the full oh not for yeah. this one I oh man because I, I couldn't understand it at first That I, I got the I want your skull part oh no that's not what I heard Oh,
1: the lyrics are super graphic
0: that song it's Really, really interesting. I haven't listened to a ton of the Misfits. Like overall, this is uh, one of the most unique mixes
1: I've ever seen. It's like if, it's like if you took the lyrics from a Cannibal Corpse song and Blink 182 played them.
0: That's exactly
1: right, it. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's a, like it's it's totally. a punk song, right? Like it's.
0: Yeah, because I'm expecting something about like, oh, my girl's going away, but he's saying uh, hack the heads off little girls and put them <laughs> yeah. on my wall. Yeah, that's not what you were thinking. <laughs> it's very different.
1: <laughs> Alright, so uh, you can't really upstage Skulls, so <laughs> it's all downhill from there. <laughs> Alright, yeah, it's peaks in the middle. <laughs> uh, Alright, we're going to number six. A song yep. called Where Eagles Dare. This was originally on the B-side for the Night of the Living Dead single. Okay, and it starts right into a, a raw-sounding, fast-paced punk song. It's uh, another one of my favorite choruses, and uh, Danzig could really turn a phrase with his lyrics. And he just sounds so sincere when he sings, "I ain't no goddamn son of a bitch." <laughs> you'll you know he's <laughs> you you really believe. Now yeah, you'll you know what I'm talking about. And, okay, uh, Dan- Danzig, Danzig, it ain't no goddamn son of a bitch. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're we're Eagles there.
0: We walk the streets at night. Where we go They pick up every movement. They pick up every loser with jaded eyes and
1: features. You pick-
0: You're right. He's very sincere.
1: <laughs> I think it's crazy how he sings stuff like that but he still sounds soulful. You
0: yeah, I mean? it's it's weird. And I, I also I swear to god that song's in a Tony Hawk game and
1: I cannot find it anywhere. I think it just sounds like it. I yeah, I mean I'm sure it's inspired a lot of punk music after and a lot of that stuff's on Tony Hawk games.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly, but the Misfits were
1: pretty yeah, it's, pioneering, you know.
0: Yeah, you can definitely tell like the time this came out it sounds like it's ahead of its time
1: yeah definitely they well their whole like the whole band was you think about these guys basically doing everything on their own and how good this stuff sounds for the you know the environment it came out of like these guys were not no other punk bands really sounded like this back then you know especially guys yeah. that like these guys weren't anywhere near major label early on you know yeah but it has like some elements of it that sound very refined they just seemed like they were really professional for the for the resources they had. They did just a, a really good job. I think like Danzig was pretty uh, serious. You know, like he took he took his crafter seriously. He didn't mess around. He wasn't yeah. Spending, he wasn't spending all his time, you know, doing drugs and getting drunk.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that definitely shines through. Like you can you can just tell that it's even if they don't have the best gear, it it sounds meticulously
1: crafted in a way. Yeah. All right, song seven. We're gonna do. Yep. Uh, London Dungeon, which we mentioned earlier. yeah. Originally, it was released on Three Hits from Hell in 1981. It has a cool, depressing kind of bass line and guitar riff. A little bit slower than some of the other stuff. And the the bleak lyrics really project Danzig's emotions of being locked up in England, uh, despite (laughs) what the actual story of how he got there might be. (laughs) I don't really know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. London Dungeon.
0: know if it's just me noticing something that's not there but the production on that is really interesting like I I almost hear like the guitar feedback going from left to right in the headphones like it feels like he's created a really specific environment where it feels like it like the sound is vibrating your head almost
1: it's a pretty cool sounding song it does sound different
0: yeah sure yeah like but but it it's different in the way that it has it seems to be doing something with each part of it yeah that makes sense like production wise
1: yeah, like st- strategically almost. Eh? The way yeah. They made the sounds oh. kind of bounce back and forth like that.
0: Yeah. And his voice is so, so clean that it just, like, it drives every song. It's amazing. Yeah. He hates England and he ain't no goddamn son of a bitch. So. Yeah. I always wanted to say, Two like, maybe,
1: maybe where Eagles dare is more rela- related to, like, the skinheads or, or alleged mm-hmm. skinheads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, and his confrontation <laughs> with them. And then London Dungeons, like, the aftermath. <laughs> yeah after they
0: arrested him for right. sharpening a glass for a fight that wasn't happening he was
1: on this uh, like i just i just picture him crouched down like crouched down like like on his haunches kind of like yeah you know what i mean yeah, like yeah. like a caveman sharpening a piece of glass on the sidewalk like <laughs> uh all right we're gonna do i'm gonna keep the uh workout playlist to eight songs today because right. i mean it's it's a little bit easier when i'm only doing one band uh but there's lots of great Misfit songs. So I'd highly mm-hmm. recommend for people to uh, check out, if you have Spotify, to check out like their, uh, they have a collection one and a collection two, which have mm-hmm. most of their main releases. And then there's also yeah. uh, the box that's on there that has all the, the old recordings and some live stuff and, and like the original single recordings and stuff. So hey. yeah. Anyway, so uh, number eight, the last song we're going to do is called Death Comes Ripping from Earth AD from 1983. So, like I was mentioning before, Earth A D is very hardcore punk influenced. So, and, and from what I was reading from some interviews and stuff, is that Danzig doesn't really like that album very much. I think they were going in a direction he wasn't super happy with, which is probably one of the reasons the band broke up shortly after, right. even before it was released, actually. Mm-hmm. So, in this album, the Danzig singing isn't so much uh, like melodic, Elvis influenced as the other stuff would have been. Right. Um, he's mostly he just sounds angry and yelling, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, for me, I, I love the fast heavy stuff, so I still enjoy this album. But as far as Misfits go and like their sound, it's probably the biggest departure from their trademark sound that they had. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, but I definitely want to throw at least one song from that album on here because it's it's still really good stuff. It's just not the same, I guess. But, right. Um, but yeah, so death comes ripping. All right. Let's listen to it.
0: Like it's still a sweet song That's a good punk song But compared to what
1: we listened to before it's just it doesn't really sound like the Misfits. Yeah, that's that's what I found is that I really yeah. I still enjoy the album, but it just mm-hmm. doesn't have the same contrast with the the melodic vocals and the punk. It's, it just seems like a straightforward but but very good hardcore punk song, like mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, yeah
0: it's, and he he always gets a good line in there. Feel the heat as it burns your balls off. That's a that's a solid lyric.
1: Yeah, I don't think the I don't think lyrically it's that far off from from his old stuff it's more just musically i would say yeah but uh this this kind of original lineup or original like version of the misfits put out three uh full-length albums and they're all pretty good in their own way Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and uh even even check i mean i probably won't do another full episode on the misfits because the, the the later stuff with the the michael Graves stuff and then the stuff with just jerry only singing is not something that i really Care to do an entire episode on? <laughs>
0: yeah, fair enough. Well, you'll have you'll have
1: some of them talked about after you see them, though, with Danzig. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll, uh, I'll fill everybody in to how the band sounded live. You know, at their fairly advanced age, but I'm I'm pretty excited yeah. about that <laughs> watching yeah. some videos online. It seems like they still got a bit of energy for for whole there, and they seem awesome. to be they seem to be into it again. So it's kind of kind of cool. Yeah, that'll be that'll be sweet. I want to see some pictures and uh, yeah. hear what it was like after unfortunately uh Danzig doesn't rock the devil lock anymore but uh ah that's too bad know, despite that it should be a good show <laughs> at least one of them's gotta be i think uh i think jerry no well doyle still does it for sure doyle every time you see doyle interviewed he still got it he does like the full base <laughs> he does like the makeup and the devil lock and he goes full like full stage persona when he does interviews a lot of times so oh sweet yeah so I, after i go see them i'll uh, i'll uh, let you guys know how the show was i guess and,
0: Oh yeah. We'll do a bit yeah. of our review. All right. Well, uh, that playlist we just went over, don't forget, it is on Spotify. We update it every week with all these new songs. So definitely check that out. And that's going to do it for this episode of The Heavy. So see the show notes for the complete list of songs uh, that you heard. We talked about this episode. We have a link to that season three workout playlist. Uh, that's where we add all the songs. And be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. If you like the show, tell a friend and leave us a rating on iTunes. Our website is theheavy.podbean.com and you can email us at theheavypod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at theheavypod on all of those. Our show is edited by Ian Sutherland with Andrew doing all the research. Our brother Rob designed our logo. Our theme song is Stallions of the Highway by Savage Blade. I'm your host Don Sutherland and thanks for listening. We'll catch you again in two weeks. Later!